Well, I'm not going to get slapped, so it doesn't matter. But... <laughs> it's fantasy football. You never know what's going to happen. That's true. I lost three years in a row. I won last year. I think I have at least one more win in a row consecutively for me. But it is how we'll fantasy see. football works. It's very dependent on the previous year's results. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's why we do drafts. Yeah. Hello, welcome to the for the preseason oh week God. four. Almost said it. The preseason week four edition of the Keep Sounding podcast. This is Brian, joined by Brad and John, as always. Uh, Brad, how are you doing this evening? I am doing fine. And John, how are you? I'm good, man. Just, just great. Yeah. It's been a great week to be great, especially if you're a Panthers fan. Um, so the Panthers played a, a worthless week three preseason game against the New England No, it's Patriots. not worthless. It's the dress rehearsal. Allegedly, the it dress counts. rehearsal. Yeah, it does count. <laughs> and the one way that it did count was that Cam Newton went down and every Panthers fan in the nation held their breath because he went on the sideline, was clearly in a lot of pain, didn't look happy. And I didn't hold he my was... breath. I'm still holding my breath. Good for you, Brad. I haven't um, I haven't exhaled in days. Yeah, I, I had to go to the hospital earlier. Um, so basically, after all that, Cam went off to the to the sideline and into the locker room, and we had no fucking clue what was going on. And all we heard after that was that he walked off later in a walking boot to go leave the stadium. So that's, you know, re- obviously recipe for making every Car- Carolina Panthers fan very nervous about the season. Thankfully, all he did was sprain his foot. Ron Rivera says that he fully expects Cam to be ready for week one. Um, so why don't we dive right into that? Um, do we really think Cam should have even played in that game? I'll start with you, John. I think it's fine that he played. Um I don't think he should have played any more than he did. Ended up playing like if he didn't hurt his foot, I think that still should have been just about the end of his night anyway. But about him playing, it's not the end of the world. You know, I can take it or leave it. If if he didn't play, I'd been fine with it. If he did play, I'm fine with it. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Um, Brad, what do you think? I'm going to spice things up and, and just disagree with John, even though I actually agree with him. Um, all right, skip. It's a tragedy that Cam played at all. <laughs> um, it It's irresponsible. Uh, somebody should be fired for it. You can't risk injury to your franchise quarterback in a meaningless game that doesn't count. Um, so, yeah. Tom Brady played, though. Uh, uh, Tom Brady is a a leader. He's a system quarterback. <laughs> He's not, not any good anyway. Hmm. <laughs> hmm. So that yeah. means he's less prone. That means he's less prone to being injured. No, he actually kind of is because he doesn't move at it, all. It, and and <laughs> uh, no, I was saying that is that like if he got hurt, they just throw in Brian Hoyer and be fine. That they'll yeah they'll just find somebody off the street in in Foxborough, Massachusetts and still win 10 games. So, yeah, it doesn't really matter. I do have a little bit of a hot take that might piss some people off, but Cam should have thrown that ball away on that play. Oh, yeah. Cam oh, had absolutely. some happy feet. Yeah, that, was, that sack was on Cam. You can blame the offensive line all you want. You can blame Bill Belichick for blitzing all you want and a preseason game all you want. Quarterback's got to get rid of the ball. Yeah, and it was an all-out blitz right from the get-go, and he had every opportunity to throw it away. Even taking the intentional grounding doesn't matter. 
at least then just get down like yeah, yeah. just sack yourself yeah and he did granted he didn't take a, a hard hard hit but the whatever way he went down led to him getting his foot sprained um obviously there is you know an argument that he shouldn't have even been in the game coming off of that shoulder surgery but it's not 100 percent on ron either like cam should have been smart and should have had some better awareness of what was going on especially in you know a preseason game that doesn't matter he could have thrown yeah. three touchdown passes that would have had no bearing on the regular season yeah i think i mean cam was part of the problem the whole offense in general just looked a mess um but the offensive line was bad. Cam looked nervous, I guess you'd say. Like, he had happy feet. Yeah. And I think a lot of it had to do with, um, you know, him. Cam has this really bad tendency, and he, he really doesn't do it that often anymore. But he has a bad tendency of trying to do too much on a play, and yeah. you shouldn't do that in the preseason ever. Like, I get it, you know, fourth and fourth and ten against the Eagles when – the games on the line last year. I get doing that, but against the Patriots who are doing everything they can to contain you, it's like, come on, man. What are you doing? Just throw the ball away and go <laughs> play week one. Yeah. Um but speaking of the fact of the offensive line, um, so what did we think of the offensive line? Because that's pretty that's really the only thing that I could look at from the third preseason game and really care about. Like the defense wasn't you know, they were just doing basic stuff, but the offensive line, especially in pass protection, that does matter. Um, Brad, what did you think of what you saw? I mean, it's not their fault that Cam got sacked and that Cam hurt his foot, but I, I'm not exactly um, confident in what we're going to have. I, I think we're going to see a lot of Cam getting pressure we're going to see a lot of sacks that we shouldn't see. Uh, I don't think that we have the best offensive line that we could have. Uh, I think it's a bad idea to put um, Daryl Williams at left tackle. I think it's a bad idea to to trust Greg Van Roten. And I think Matt Paradis uh, is just rusty. Uh, he's missed the last... I have what six to eight months of action because of yeah. a, uh, an injury. So I think he'll be fine, but the left side of the line is going to struggle. I think. Um, and unfortunately, Greg little hasn't been that much better, um, which is to be expected from a mid round rookie. But, you know, I'm kind of worried about cams blind side. I think if we're going to protect him, even though I don't really want to move Taylor Moten, I think it might be a good idea to put him at left tackle and put Daryl Williams back at right tackle. Yeah, I agree. Um, The other thing, too, is that even if they had a better alternative in Greg Little, he's in the concussion protocol right now. So, like, their only real option going into week one, unless Greg Little, like, comes out of that protocol real fast is either Daryl Williams or Greg or, uh, excuse me, G- Jesus, Daryl Williams or Taylor Moten. I almost said Greg Moten. Um, <laughs> so offensive line, not looking ideal right now. I mean, granted, you know, a lot of their passes were a lot, were like longer dropbacks where the quarterback could really hang in the pocket. And uh, <clears throat> I don't think the first team offensive line really had a lot of time to gel against, you know, actual NFL talent trying to sack the quarterback. So I think even if this offensive line gels and does figures out, figures it out, it's going to take like three or four weeks into the season. And that's not good when you come out, go against the Rams week one. I mean, it's not like the Rams have a good pass rusher or anything. Yeah. They're, they're mediocre at best. Right. Right. Not like they're going to line up Aaron Donald over Greg Van Roten and let him eat his lunch all day. Definitely wouldn't happen. Not not in today's NFL. No, no. They they clearly know that we're struggling and they're going to take it easy on us. Yeah, especially with Cam coming off a foot injury. I mean, that would yeah, just be unfortunate. I mean, yeah. Sean McVay's not going to just let Cam get hurt. I mean, he's a nice guy. He understands. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> aside from the tackle situation, I mean, Paradis, like you said, he might be a little rusty. Um, I also didn't re- I haven't liked anything I've seen from uh, the backup guards in the in the preseason. Like Tyler Larson lo- has looked horrible. 
at center and at guard. Um, Greg Van Roten has struggled a bit from what I've seen. You know, it's I, I feel like we're looking at a situation much like last year where they're going to gel and be okay, moderately okay, barring injuries. But those first few weeks, they're going to have to be really careful. Yeah, I think if Cam can survive the first four games, I think they'll be okay. But it's just going to be surviving those first four games, especially with a sprained foot. Yep, with a sprained foot. Foot, not ankle, foot. <laughs> I heard it was a, an ankle problem. Yeah, that, that was an incorrect reporting <laughs> source from um, from some guy from some obscure news. No, wait, that was ESPN. Oh, never mind. Well, um, they never mess up their Panthers coverage. Yeah, no. never. He's definitely never tweeted a picture of uh, Jericho Cotri and said it was Philly Brown. That's never happened before. <laughs> I forgot. Did he do that? I don't remember. That. He did do yes, that. It was. did. It was very egregious because Jericho Cotri. It's not like it's not like Jericho Cotri is like your general run of the mill guy. He has a very unique face, and Philly Brown's complexion is totally different from him as well. Plus, he's like fifteen years older than Philly Brown. <laughs> he oh, also boy. tweeted a picture of two fans wearing Luke Kuechly jerseys and said, "I didn't know this came in extra extra large or some shit like." Bro, that. I remember. I do remember the fat shaming. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know. I forgot about that. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's see. Do I, I don't have any off the top of my head that you guys might have forgotten about. Yeah. I mean, the only other thing he I got, could really he say. Posted porn. Twice. He, he, he didn't. He did did twice. he post it or? I thought he liked. I thought he, he liked, liked porn. He either liked or retweeted it twice. It was it was very visible on his Twitter account. Yes. Whatever I'm pretty sure. I believe he liked was. it, which I don't think he realizes that when you have that many followers and you like something, it pops up on other people's feeds. And it was a very specific genre as well. <laughs> well, people's feeds, like if, a, if you're a public figure, somebody eventually is going to go through your likes just for yeah. kicks. My favorite thing about public, this is off tangent, but my favorite thing about public figures is when they tweet something and it's clearly meant to be a direct message or a text message. <laughs> yes. Oh and, God, yeah. But they tweet it by mistake, and it's something like, "Hey, Dave, don't forget to bring the beer to the the press box <laughs> or whatever." My favorite, old, one of my favorite people on Twitter or yes, social media, people Twitter. One of my favorite things, not to go too off topic, too, was uh, with this whole Antonio Brown thing, where uh, he was clearly just copying what his agent or press guy sent to him and said, "Hey, you need to tweet this because it would show up in all quotes on his Twitter." <laughs> <laughs> I didn't like he it would just like have the quotes at the beginning and end of it. Yep, that's exactly what happened. And <laughs> and there was one where he threw the hashtags on at the end, so clearly he he added that part, but I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> I saw a disregard. Thing, I saw a thing where Antonio Brown, I can't remember who it was, but he just like took a video off of some website's YouTube page. It was just, SB Nation. Was it oh was it SB Nation? And he just posted it like on his own YouTube channel. Yep, he uh, took oh, the man. SB Nation series on like sports beefs, which was about yeah, that's what it was. Ben Roethlisberger, and he just threw his own watermark on it and put it on yes. his YouTube. <laughs> I'm not. I'm still not convinced that Antonio Brown didn't do all this, pretend to be psycho just to get out of participating in training camp. I I actually like 75 percent believe that now after everything. Oh, he's playing yeah. 4D chess because it came out the other day that several helmet manufacturers have offered to pay him to wear their helmet. Yeah. So he knows exactly what he's doing. Yeah, and it's just like he's just conveniently like everything's just conveniently fixed and in the past, like right before the season starts. Yeah, plus they don't have the incentive to create buzz because it's not like they're on a popular HBO show or anything like that. <laughs> no, never. That's high-tech branding is what that is, boys. <laughs> I don't think um, they needed to do anything to, to entice Antonio Brown to be weird, though. He, he started that long before Hard Knocks. That's true. Yeah, he was, he was quite the weirdo. I, I love his mustache, that blonde mustache. It's great. Honestly, um, my favorite thing he's ever done is calling himself Mr. Big Chest. <laughs> Like, not only that. did he give himself a nickname, he gave himself the greatest nickname of all time. It's so funny because he's a wide receiver, and relative to other football players, he's not Mr. Big Chest. He is, yeah, he no. is very small. He's, like, yes, he's it Mr. would make small sense chest. if, like, if, if, like, um, 
Kelvin Benjamin. Like Kelvin. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I was gonna say like I don't know, um, Von Miller or, um, you know, somebody like that. But yeah. I guess you, yeah, I had to go with the Kelvin Benjamin fat joke. I mean, I got to take a shot at him every time I can. That's part of my brand. So he's also, you know, there's they're not long for the NFL. Like those jokes are not long <laughs> for relevancy. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Um. So another injury thing that I wanted to discuss, and I'm sorry that I didn't bring this up prior to the podcast, to you guys. But Graham Gano's still hurt. I'm not prepared for this. No. Uh, I'm. I'm sorry that I scrambling to... for notes. <laughs> so we spent like most of the preseason being like, Oh, Graham's just resting his knee. Oh, Graham's just resting his knee. And we've discussed this before on the podcast, like what's going on with Graham. Why didn't he get surgery? Blah, blah, blah. Um, and now all of a sudden yesterday we saw, or maybe it was today, but it doesn't matter. Cause they're not going to hear this until tomorrow. But um, yeah, he apparently now they're concerned about Graham Gano. Like, oh, all of a sudden, a, like, you know, a week before the regular season, now we're concerned about Graham Gano. <laughs> yeah. That, well, that says a lot, too, because this coaching staff is never one to, like, admit something's wrong. No, no. Ron will die before he admits that something is, is bad. <laughs> like, did, did, did he just sleep on his knee wrong? Is that what happened? I feel like that's something that they would report. What I mean, it's the same thing that happened last year. Yeah, he just had like the the non kicking foot. Yeah, it's probably injury. just long term like wear and tear because he kicks so much. Plus, he probably kicked that Giants field goal and just destroyed himself doing it. That might have ended his career. <laughs> but I don't know. I mean, I don't actually like trust Joey Sly. Should have yeah, come to that. It, it is hard for me to trust Joey Sly. Um, I understand that he's done decent in the preseason when there's like no pressure, but I've also heard that he's been like horrible in practice sometimes too. That sounds like that's Harrison Bucker. Giving, he's, he's giving Graham Gano false hope. Harrison Bucker was the same way. It was like he, uh, Graham Gano was way better in practice, but Bucker was looked a lot better in the games. Now, I mean, the games are obviously like small, really small samples. But, um, I mean, he's, I think you said there's no pressure. I think there's a lot of pressure on a backup kicker in the preseason because he has very limited opportunities to actually impress people. And that's, yeah. that's his chance. Yeah, I guess I'll, I'll, I'll concede that point to you. I'll give it to you. Mm-hmm. I don't know but how for Graham Gano, there's no pressure, but like for no, Joey Sly, Graham Gano, a he's, he's a made man. There is almost no way he ever gets cut from this team. <laughs> no, I mean they'll probably at worst stick him on IR with like a designation to return, which I feel like is a hard thing to do with a kicker. But you don't, well, you don't have, have to, to do designate anymore. anymore. Yeah, that's true. I forgot about that. You can, yeah, you, you can just bring any two players back after eight weeks, but yeah, yeah, you don't have to actually file the paperwork as designated to return. Which is yeah. smart. I don't know why the NFL ever thought that was a good idea. Yeah, like yeah, you have like, to you decide de- several yeah, like, months. Yeah, why, why would you de- why would you designate Graham Gano and then I you know who's somebody who's already hurt? Um, Cam Newton. Well, yeah, but not <laughs> you know like I don't Chris Mann hurts. Let's just use him because it doesn't matter yeah. if he gets hurt. Um, you know you you don't want to designate them for return and then then Cam's foot gets worse and you have to IR Cam. Then you can't bring your franchise quarterback back. So. I never understood it either. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, but, and then like on top of that, like you're like, oh, I don't want to designate Graham Gano to return because, you know, what if somebody more important gets hurt and then nobody more important gets hurt? So you're just like, ah, well, that well, was I could have brought Graham Gano yeah. back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's just like unnecessary chance and like strategy, I guess. Yeah, I mean, they to me, they should just go ahead and put him on injured reserve. I think Sly can hold down things and for eight weeks. I mean, well, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that Graham Gano has to make it to week one before they can bring him back. If they put him on IR now, yes, like, they do I, have. They do have to wait. He has to make the 53 man roster, and then they can put him on 
they would have two kickers on the roster for week one. Then they well, can put we him know on they're comfortable reserve. with that. Yeah, they're comfortable with that. Then they can put him on injured reserve and then bring somebody back up and go with Sly if they want to do that. Reggie Bonifon, this is your time, buddy. <laughs> this is where it happens. I don't know if we can we can sneak him uh, on oh, the he's to wave he's him too much and then, of an open secret now. There's no way to to wave him and then re-sign him after. Yeah, uh, no. If if we wave won. him, he's getting picked up immediately. <laughs> he's getting Tyler Daphne. Oh man, people are still mad at Dave Gettleman for that, even he though we hate Dave Gettleman now. And even though Tyler Gaffney never amounted to anything in the NFL anyway. Yeah, he's like he's see. playing baseball now. <laughs> Tyler wow. Gaffney. Are you Googling him? He's actually not playing baseball either. Oh, wow. He is a former professional baseball outfielder and former American football running back. Man, nice that kind of sucks to be like almost good enough to play professionally in two different sports but not yeah. good enough to play either of them. Like he's like almost Bo Jackson. Yeah. <laughs> That's the best nickname ever. Almost he was Bo drafted Jackson. by the Pittsburgh Pirates in 2012 and played two seasons of minor league baseball. Oh, I thought he played longer than that. Oh, actually I take that back. He was actually drafted to play baseball before football. And yeah. I mean, in 2018, he returned to play baseball for one year. Um, he played 89 games for Pittsburgh's minor league affiliate, Bradenton Marauders, um, and retired from baseball in February. So now you know all that you've ever wanted to know about Tyler Gaffney. Yep, this is what we do on this podcast. We bring you information <laughs> about players that don't matter to the Carolina Panthers. So He matters. He used to matter. Speaking of players who used to matter, so... I just want to talk a little bit about this. We don't have to do it for very long, but I remember for so long that every time Cam Newton got hurt, it was his fault. And every time Andrew Luck got hurt, that it was somebody else's fault. <laughs> yes, so that now, is a thing that's happened. So now here we are after Cam is coming off a of shoulder surgery and after Luck came out off a of major soldier surgery a few years ago and Andrew Luck's retired and just to throw this out there before we even get into any of this, I support his decision because I think that he should do whatever the hell is going to make him happy. And Correct. There, are way, there are way too many NFL athletes that leave the NFL and are just miserable because of all the pain that they, they were in and all the pain they're still in. LaRon McClain is one that I saw recently where he was tweeting, just asking for help, filling out paperwork with the NFL because he's just messed up in the head right now. So, Props to Andrew Luck for that. I do support that decision. That said, well, I don't. You, I have you the don't. right to watch him play quarterback. That's true. That's true. You pay. You pay your hard-earned dollars. I pay for... his salary. Damn it! <laughs> I'm basically his boss. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm basically his boss, and he's quitting on the job. Yeah, I, I, you know, he can't quit. He's fired. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's the same thing as uh, as when Tory Smith was making five million dollars. Like Tory Smith isn't allowed to make five million dollars for me to watch him play football, and Andrew <laughs> Luck isn't allowed to make what he was making for me not to watch him play football. Like it's just all bullshit. It's all ridiculous. It is the NFL stupid. Let's boycott it. Yeah, do that. But yeah, real talk. So, do we think we're gonna finally be able to put to bed the weird? unparalleled comparisons between Luck and Newton, or are we still going to hear that Cam Newton's the one at fault for getting hurt, or Cam Newton is injury-prone, and he's not a good quarterback, and he's not a leader? I think, well, to be fair, I mean, it's not Andrew Luck's fault that he basically got nearly murdered every time he took the snap. Um, he was pressured more than any quarterback in the in the NFL during his career. Um, he was pressured 16 times per game. Jesus That's a Christ. lot. That is a lot. <laughs> That's a lot. I mean, it's the most by any quarterback. And from 2012 to 2015, according to Warren Sharp at Sharp Football on Twitter, um, 
Ryan Grigson only drafted three offensive linemen before the seventh round. Those three offensive linemen were Hugh Thornton, Jack Muhort, and Khaled Holmes. And you don't know who those three players are because they were all garbage cans. So it's not really Andrew Luck's fault that he said, you know what? Fuck it. I don't want to play anymore. I don't like football anymore. It's Ryan Grigson's fault. I think the thing that was kind of like scary in a sense, seeing all that was they're like, yeah, this, his uh, general manager in front office never surrounded him with an offensive line and weapons on offense. And they really cut his career short. I'm like, Ooh, that sounds familiar. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing when he went to the when Cam <laughs> Newton went to the Super Bowl with Michael Ower and Mike Remmers as a starting offensive yeah. tackle, and his best wide receiver was probably Ted Ginn. Yeah, <laughs> during Grigson's term as GM of the Colts, Andrew Luck was um, pressured thirty eight percent, thirty seven and a half percent, thirty six percent, forty percent, and forty four point three percent of the time from two thousand twelve to two thousand sixteen, and Jesus he was sacked. Christ. He was sacked 8%, 6%, 5%, 14%, and 9% of the time Wow! from 2012 to 2016. So the dude has been running for his life for the last five years. Yeah. like It's honestly a miracle that he can even have the, the brain capacity to make this decision, this very informed and smart and best for him and his family decision. He, I know he said it, but like that must have felt so bad to hear the Colts fans boo him because he's like, you know, probably he's apparently was grappling with that decision for weeks. And then he yeah, finally just I like mustered up the courage. I blame Adam Shafter like, for that. Adam Sh- and I mean, <laughs> Shafter's doing his job. So, you know, whatever. He's not going to not do his job. But you can't break that news while they're in the middle of the game. And Luck is just standing there on the sideline and he has no <laughs> idea that everybody's finding out on their phone that he's yeah. going to retire. Like I, they could have at least given him the common decency to, to have a press conference after the game. I did like that. Uh, and I'm, I know you probably had already heard this, but uh, Adam Schefter saying Andrew Luck prepared, like planned to tell his teammates after the game and have a press conference tomorrow, but then his timeline got moved up. It's like, yeah, Adam, it did yeah, get moved yeah, up. Adam. You moved yeah. it up. <laughs> you moved it up by reporting it. If you would have just kept your mouth shut, we would have all been shocked tomorrow. I, I don't blame Adam Schefter at all for doing that because in the in the journalism field, you have to be the one to break the story. Otherwise, somebody else will. No, I don't blame him yeah, for doing his job. Yeah, I don't blame him. No, he's doing his job. I get that. But And you're right. If If he wouldn't have done it, you know, somebody else would have. Um, you know, Woj or somebody else would have would have broken the news. Aaron but, Wilson. Yeah, Aaron, you know, Jeff Darlington, somebody like that. They would have broken the news anyway. Schefter had to be first. No, I um, just thought it was funny that he said, like, well, Andrew Luck would have loved to do this later, but mine yeah. got changed. And it's like, well, yeah. You did that. Thanks, <laughs> yeah, buddy. Let someone else do that follow up tweet. Yeah, give that give that one to one of your colleagues. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so one of your colleagues can say his timeline got moved up, and you, you can be you like, "Yeah, that was that was me." They're not going to fire you because you didn't tweet that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you didn't add any information to it. You're just basically like some dickhead reporter made him announce his retirement earlier than he wanted to. It's like, yeah, Adam, that's that that that's you. You're the dickhead reporter. But Wait. honestly, and I say this with 100% sincerity. If you were a Colts fan at that game and you booed Andrew Luck as he walked off the field for the last time, 100% absolutely fuck you because you are a scumbag piece of garbage and you should not be allowed to be a fan of a football team. And I know there's some people defending it saying, well, they're passionate and they're all this. No, that's not that's not passion. That's stupidity. I hope the Colts go zero and sixteen, and I hope that they draft whoever they draft number one overall. And I hope he sucks. I hope your team sucks for the next de- decade because you decided to be assholes to a guy who made a decision to do what he feels is best for his family and his life. Yeah, and his I wife. think. <laughs> I think. Like, yeah, the, it got, like, written off because it's like, oh, it's just fans being emotional. It's like, fans need to stop. Like, it's not an excuse. Yeah, like, exactly. Having an irrational I, love I don't of your even, team is not an excuse. 
I don't even mind like being mad at him for it. Like I understand yeah. that's that part of it, but like don't boo the guy on his yeah, last. Yeah, don't boo the guy. That's the last time he might even take a Colts field, aside from maybe being inducted into whatever Hall of Fame. Like you just booed the guy that's been carrying your goddamn franchise for how many goddamn years. <laughs> yeah. I mean, do what any normal fan would do and go on Twitter and write something stupid, like that he'll never, you know, that he'll never see. Yeah, because he's not on Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> or at the very least, like, see it, but it won't be. Because I can guarantee later. you there's absolutely nothing you can tweet that is worse than Doug Gottlieb's take on it. <laughs> oh, man, that was in the Troy Aikman. The Troy Aikman body slammed him. At least yeah. we got that out of it. And Tory Smith body slammed him, too. And called he him did. Out credit I didn't card. even know Troy Aikman had a Twitter. I didn't yeah. either. <laughs> I didn't either. I honestly had no idea. It apparently takes a lot for Troy Aikman to come out and body somebody on Twitter. <laughs> so <Yeah. laughs> the couch has been dormant for years, and Troy was like, "All right, this is it's time." He's probably one of those accounts where, like, you pull him up and you don't see them tweeting anything on their own. Yeah, they just like, like retweet stuff. Yeah, and then like all of a sudden, like three years after the last time, he's like, "Oh, Doug Gottlieb, take this, motherfucker." <laughs> yeah. I just want to see Jeff Fisher's take on it. <laughs> no, he'd body Gottlieb too. He'd probably be probably even keeled on it. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> That's, I see what you did there. Um, Jeff Fisher is the greatest Twitter celebrity. He is. He is, he is so self-aware. Yeah. I know that he, and he's admitted. He's just like, he gets out in front of it. Cause he knows the jokes are going to come. Yeah. The man uses Vince McMahon gifts to respond to stuff. Like he's he's a god. He's a god on Twitter. He is. Uh, so anyway, getting back on track here. Um, That's, after, that was on, that was the track. Yeah. Well, okay. Well, going back <laughs> to the preseason stuff. Um, so the Panthers have a preseason game coming up against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Their usual wine party with them. Um, and this is pretty much the last gasp for anybody who's trying to make the 53 and or practice squad. Those last like two or three spots on the 53. And yeah, there's like 12 guys competing for three spots. Yeah. So I know it's hard to really like pull names out of a hat for something like this. Cause this is, this is the most unpredictable preseason game. Like, Brad, John, like we've all been covering this for so long. And like, I always did the preseason, like key matchups for a long time. And I could never figure <laughs> out who the fuck to, to-, to talk about in those. Yeah. You never even knew if a guy would play, let alone like who he would be facing. So. Yeah. And that was like the same thing when I'd write like defensive previews and stuff. I would be like, uh, yeah, Panthers, real defense should play be defense. Fine. Yeah. <laughs> I don't I mean, know. how. Just- <laughs> yeah, there's two groups of guys who are not going to play tomorrow. You know, there's the Luke Keekley, Christian McCaffrey, Greg Olson group where they're already on the roster and it's actually preferable that they don't even show up just in case somebody runs over the sideline and knocks into them. <laughs> and then there's the guys that they don't play because they're not going to make the team and they're going to probably get cut on Friday morning. And but you don't know which ones it's going to be. And because, I mean, how many guys, I know Ron has said two or three, but really how many spots are truly up for grabs? Like he said two or three, but are there really two or three? Like I could see like, Ron's maybe- never lied to me. <laughs> that is true. I could um, see like the the backup nickel corner spot. I could see um But see, know, is it is it gonna be a roster spot though, or is it just gonna be who is gonna be the starter on the depth chart? Like, is it gonna be you know, is it Rashawn Galden versus I don't know, say just throwing out a name of somebody who's already on the roster, Colin Jones? Or is it Lorenzo Doss versus Javian Elliott? Like, we don't even know. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it, it, it might not even be a roster spot. It might just be between guys who are already on the team. 
Somebody should have pushed him and been like, what are the roster spots, Ron? <laughs> Whose job's not safe? You know yeah, damn I mean, well Ron wouldn't have said anything about that. <laughs> I mean, I think the only two spots that I can think of that are legitimately up for grabs is the sixth wide receiver and the third running back. I think there's something available in the defensive backfield. Yeah, I would agree. Like some safety or nickel corner or... I don't think a single corner outside of uh, the top two starting corners has, set, has really set themselves apart. Yeah. Um, I thought that uh, I, I did like Ross Cockrell played a lot, but I wasn't really impressed with him throughout the preseason. I really hope he makes a team, though, because he doesn't wear gloves and he looks so cool. Yeah, the dude cool. just recently had to relearn how to walk. Yeah. Not taking that away from which, by the way, Ben A. Ben Wickery is apparently a free agent, so we could also just like swoop in and pick him up and <laughs> totally steal this roster spot from somebody else. <laughs> yeah. Oh, nah, he's a he's a previous regime guy though. He's so, going to be a giant. He had a lot of promise till he broke his leg. Yeah. Yeah. And then he showed up like way out of shape the following season. Which I understand if I broke my leg I would end up way out of shape. Yeah. I heard my knee gained like there, 15 pounds. I mean, and it's I'm, not his I'm fault. We put him out there when he, basically he's on crutches, and we put him out there and said, "Hey, cover Julio Jones." I mean, that's, <laughs> that's that's not really his fault. I mean, I maintain to this day that that's the whole reason why he was cut because, like, you could have kept him around as a fifth or fourth corner and been fine. I, I'm I'm 100 percent sure that the whole reason he was cut was because of that game, even though it wasn't his fucking fault. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he got scapegoated. Yeah. Um. So as far as, like, obviously we've already stated it's really hard to even, you know, really identify people who have any fighting chance at the roster. But I want to try to do this anyway. Um, I can go first so you guys have a chance to, you know, talk, think about who you want to use. But um, I think that... I think that Godwin has, like... This is a game where he could really established being able being like a part of a 53-man roster like i think he's one of the few people where this game actually matters to his status because do you want to say something no so who did you say i missed that i was uh godwin terry godwin yeah yeah yeah. like because he's got the opportunity to be the primary kick and punt returner which as much as we i'm sure we'd all like to see like dj Moore, curtis samuel back there Right now, they're too valuable as, like, starting wide receivers to really, like, throw them back there. So, like, Godwin's the kind of guy where you can throw him to the Wolves. We've seen him do decent at it. Um, he's also going to get plenty of opportunities to catch the ball. So, I think this is the game where it's it's like the Demir Bird game where it's like, okay, show us what you can do when we give you every opportunity to do something. I've been real impressed with him as a, as a kick returner. Yeah, me too. He hasn't done it. Had a, I don't think he's really had a chance to show anything as wide receiver, but he has. Looked, but I do think it'll be tough for him to make the team because of all of the uh, veteran leadership ahead of him on the depth chart. Yeah, it's hard to it's hard for him to really show anything as a wide receiver when when um Kyle Allen, Will Greer, and Taylor Heineke are the, the guys throw into him. Like, there's only yeah. so much he can do. So. I think he's going to squeeze a spot because he's a very decent, if not good, punt returner and kick returner, and we need that. I mean, you know, we're going to keep six wide receivers anyway. Why not keep the guy who's shown something on special teams? Who do you think gets cut in favor of him? Well, I mean, I think we have um, DJ Moore, Curtis Samuel, Torrey Smith, Jarius Wright, and Chris Hogan are the five that are already guaranteed a spot. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I just I I see him making it over um, the only two guys that I think could make it over him would be Aldrick Robinson and uh, my boy Andre Lebrone. <laughs> I've been disappointed in a. Uh... Aldrick Robinson. I thought he would actually show something. Yeah, he's pretty much dropped everything thrown to him. And then again, like I said, he's not playing with Cam. So how much can you really, you know, get out of it? But he yeah. has been a disappointment. There had there was like at least one throw that I can remember where Aldrick Robinson was open and the quarterback overthrew him, which is unfortunately like, you know, not his fault. But 
I think Godwin just brings more to the table as like a backup sixth round or sixth receiver. It's like, that's the spot where like, you got to do a lot of things to make the roster unless you're Brenton Burson, of course. So, you know, I, I think this brings more to the table. And I think that that's how he's like, all right, that's how they're just like, all right, we don't need Aldrick Robinson. We can get rid of him. And, you know, even if they keep five, like, I don't know if you could make a real argument to keep Chris Hogan around just because he's not done anything. So who yeah, knows? He's a veteran. That's true. They don't have enough of those. <clears throat> so anyway, <clears throat> I don't know who would like to go first with their pick, and it can certainly be the same, but uh, leave that open to you guys. <laughs> go ahead, Brad. Okay. Um so what was what am I picking again? <laughs> just just any player that might have a realistic chance to make the roster and this preseason game actually matters for them. Oh, um I can I could name three or four guys. Um I think Andre Lavrone has a shot. Uh I know I've been on I've been driving the hype <laughs> you train <have> been. <laughs> for the last three weeks. But he he actually does have a shot. Like he's gonna compete with Godwin for that sixth spot. Um as much as I hate to say this um, at the expense of everyone on CSR shoving in my face. Reggie Bonifant has a chance to make the roster. Um, The same applies for Elijah Holyfield. I think that's going to be an interesting competition, Um, but I will leave it at that. So John can have fun naming some people too. (laughs) Um, I think, I think this is big for like for Ross Cockrell to see if he makes the team, if he has to play well. Um, I like, I agree with you with the Reggie Bonifant, Elijah Holyfield thing. Um, maybe I feel like, do we even see cap last week? I can't remember off the top of my head. Uh, I think I briefly, but I don't know. I don't, I don't even think he touched the ball to be honest. Like, yeah, like, I don't remember him getting any carries and I can't remember if it's just he didn't play or if they just decided like, we're just going to let him go in there for pass protection only. But yeah, I think the running back battle is the most visible one. Um, I thought and Brian Cox probably they might be fighting for jobs. At least so, Obata. Can I interject Violet. real quick? Yeah, I think FA Obata actually made the roster based on last week's performance. Well, he's absolutely making the roster <laughs> until we go to London. Like, I mean, well, that... I don't know if you read the Panthers piece about last week with Brian Burns two sacks. Mm-mm. But no, it did not. Brian Burns himself says that FAO Bottom made them happen. Well, that's just him being a good teammate. Yeah. Well, but the justification <laughs> was sound. And going back when I watched the plays, I did see what he was talking about, which was. Yeah, that I'm not saying he was lying. I'm just, yeah. FA, joke. FA made up. <laughs> thank you for that. Um, mm-hmm. FA, like, essentially uh, occupied two bodies at times, which allowed Brian Burns to really, like, get free. Yeah. And. When you can do something like that as a 3-4 defensive end, especially one who can also play as a 4-3 defensive end, I think you've like solidified your spot on the roster. Like I, I think that Brian Cox is one where I'd be more concerned about him getting cut, but I think that Obata's progression since you know he came in here as like your gifted practice squad player to now, I think <laughs> there's no chance that he doesn't make the roster. That on that note, is anything ever amounted or have any of the other guys from that program amounted to anything? Uh, I don't think so. I, mean, I don't even know who I they know are. Of. Yeah, I, I can look them up real quick. I mean, not that anybody would know who F.A. Obata is. That's not a Panthers fan, I don't think. But People from London are mad right now, John. <laughs> American people, the ones that matter. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> um, F NFL International. They're still doing that, right? Like it, like... There's like rotating from division to division, giving just gifting people practice squad players they didn't want. Yeah, they're still doing that. I see from 2019 that they're still doing that. Um, let's see here. International player pathway is what they call it. It is what they call it. Looking through the names of who has been put on there. <laughs> uh, none of these guys stand out. Do you even recognize any of the names? No. <laughs> that was a, a very nice way of saying that. 
Yeah, so I guess that the Panthers just got. I mean, the part of it with FA Obata was that I don't think he even like played football up until no, he did. like college or not even college, maybe the NFL. It was after so, college. Yeah, he was just he was like 21 years old or something. It was just like I, I I can do this sport. So, hey, I mean, it works. You know, if you get, it's been what like three, four years of this, and they and one team managed to get at least one guy who worked out. So, hey, by the way. Knows? Stories like that kind of make football look bad. Yeah. Like Chris Manhurts, they I don't know if you guys saw the thing about him where he didn't even play football and he got signed as an undrafted free agent by I can't remember what team signed him originally. New Orleans Saints. Yeah. He, they're just like, hey man, you're a big basketball player. You want to try to play in the NFL? He's like, okay. And then, yeah, here he is. Hadn't played football like ever. I mean, there's a specific athletic profile you look for. An NFL yeah. tight end, so I do understand it. I mean, Antonio Gates was a good example. I think he did play a little bit of football, though. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's like I said, it's not that it's, like, obviously there's a lot of work that goes into it to be the athlete that it requires to be a tight end, but it just looks bad to, like, a casual observer to be like, how come these people can play prof- this sport professionally after not playing it, like, anywhere else? That's true. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's not like ru- like learning an NFL playbook is easy. Even yeah. for like a a player who has played in college and high school and all his life, no, it's just it's just like yeah, it's like no other sport does that really work. Yeah, like nobody's just yeah, like, hey yeah. man, you're 22 years old and tall. You want to play in the NBA? That like they that never works. I think Gorgie Gorgie Jang from Louisville was one of those where he never really played basketball, but it doesn't really happen that often yeah i mean there's guys that start late but like usually the latest starters in basketball are like seven footers that started playing when they were like 15 or 16 yeah yeah (laughs) and they're only good because they're freakishly tall yeah there's no you don't get any like guards yeah they're like yeah this guy's six foot two has been playing yeah you know this guy's like six foot three and hasn't and played basketball for two years he's going pro like that doesn't that doesn't happen yeah that is true but hey, I mean, we got FA Obata out of it, so I'm not going to complain, even if he doesn't really like do anything. Um, nah, it's a good free player. Like, can't complain about free stuff. No, definitely well, free not. Free stuff's awesome. Um, so I, I guess one, I have one thing, oh, real quick, go just for in it. general. Are you guys concerned at all by how bad the Panthers played against the Patriots? No. Brian. Well, let me let me rephrase that. I don't want to say no. Um, out of on, no. on a scale of one to ten, I am probably at about a two point five uh-huh. at the most, and that's only because Cam got hurt. Yeah, I mean, um, yeah. Other than the injuries, like injuries aside, yeah. are you concerned at all no, by the no, play? No, no, absolutely not. Okay, that is the correct it's, answer. It is a preseason game. Number one, it counts nothing. Number two. Ron Rivera is not doing anything. They're running just basic fronts. They're not mixing things up. We're not blitzing. We're not disguising. We're not stunning. We're not twisting. We're not doing any kind of weird formations. None of that stuff. We're just straight up, you know, mano a mano football, vanilla ice cream football. And on offense, we've been playing with Kyle Allen, Will Greer, and Taylor Heineke and we're not really doing anything to mix it up on offense. So it's nothing to be worried about the, and I'd, I'd have been more concerned about the offense were it not for the fact that like they were putting Kyle Allen and Will Greer back there to like throw 15 yard passes down the field rather than like the, the easy gimmies they're going to get with like Curtis Samuel and DJ Moore when they actually throw out their playbook on offense. Um, Defensively, the only thing that concerned me was the fact that they gave up the run so easily, it seemed like. But that also had to do with the fact that Keekley and Shaq Thompson weren't in there. So really, the only concern I have is if anything happens to Luke, they have to put a backup linebacker out there. And that's a little concerning. But other than that, I'm not really concerned. Bill, yeah, we, Bill we haven't well, run a single play that we're going to run this year other than running back dive up the middle. Like, that's it. <laughs> Bill Barnwell did a thing, wrote a piece for ESPN about what matters and what doesn't matter from the preseason week three or from the preseason in general. And it basically came out to people that got hurt. That matters. Everything else doesn't matter. 
Exactly. Um, He's right. And, and he had a bunch of stuff about like quarterbacks that had amazing pass ratings in the preseason that didn't do anything like Blake Bortles and uh, someone else I can't think of. And then they never mattered anything. And the same goes for the, the inverse where guys struggled in their rookie preseasons and then turned into good stuff. But like, here's a perfect example for a game that's on my TV right now. Who do you think is going to be better this year, the Texans or the Cowboys? Hmm. I would probably say Dallas. Do you think it's by a significant margin? Probably. Well, it's 34 to nothing with two minutes left in the third quarter. The Cowboys have 322 yards of offense and the Texans have 91. Oh. That does. I don't think that they will be that much better. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, that's a kind of a good a facsimile of what we saw with the Panthers and the Patriots. Yeah, you I mean, can actually start. Matt Khalil is going to start for the Texans, so that that's something to <laughs> monitor. Do the Just Texans say. and the Jets play this year? Oh, I don't know. That's a good question. Let me Let, look it up. Probably. I'll look them up. Yeah. Oh, you'll look it up. Okay. Yeah, I, I was going to look it up. Well, I'm looking it up, so we can all look it up. <clears throat> Who's going to get there first? I, I already stopped. <laughs> well, I Brian stopped. loses. Uh, don't. The Texans play the Saints week one, though. That'll be great. Um, <laughs> now nah, they play the AFC West. Yeah, they do not. They play us. The Texans? Yes, they do. Yes. Yeah, we, play, we play the AFC South this year. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Makes... So, how many points are we going to lose to the Andrew Luckless Colts? By? <laughs> like, how bad are they going to beat us? Is it in Indianapolis or is it in Carolina? Good question. <laughs> I will out. say people are not giving Jacoby Brissett enough credit. It would be in to Indianapolis. To be quite cause... honest, I think it's in Indianapolis. Yeah, because but... we played in Indianapolis during Cam's rookie year. But it, we played them, if I remember correctly, the last week of the year, the next to the last week of the year. Yeah, we played them in week 16. Yeah, and it, on the 15 and, and in Indianapolis. Yeah, because we played them at home because it was raining. Yeah. Indianapolis because it doesn't rain there for football. <laughs> so by that time, the Colts could be looking at possibly going like two and 14 or one and 15 and we might win. <laughs> I don't think they're going to be that bad. They're I don't not. either. They're really not. Jacoby Brissett is actually a good quarterback. Yeah, he's yeah. good. And the roster is a lot better now than it was the first time he played for them. Most and the, the last time a team lost their starting franchise quarterback and had to go with a backup quarterback, they won the Super Bowl and they were the <laughs> Philadelphia Eagles. And Frank Reich was their offensive coordinator. So he kind of has experience with this. This is also, oh, yeah. this is also Brissett's second season in Reich's offense as well. Yeah. So it's not like because he was one. with, so Chuck Pagano was still there when, uh, the first season that Brissett played most of the season, right? Yeah, that yeah. was when uh, Rob Chazinski was the offensive coordinator. Yeah, that's that. So that automatically voids that season. He yeah. only had like a few weeks with him too. It wasn't like a yeah. whole off season. So now he's had two with Reich. Like I think people Real are quick, being. Did you guys remember? It's like I know because we've been very off topic, which I think is appropriate for going into the fourth week of the preseason. Um, when Chuck Pagano, like the last season, Chuck Pagano was there. Uh, sharp football that Brad alluded to earlier. Um, did a, I think it was Warren Sharp did a whole breakdown of the Colts play calling in the fourth quarter, and like they never threw the ball. It was like if they were winning, they only threw the ball with three wide receivers on the field. Yeah, I remember so you talking about that. It was something like uh, obscene. Like if they had less than three wide receivers on the field, they ran the ball one hundred percent of the time. Yeah, like anyone who knows anything quarter. about watching film would know exactly <laughs> yeah. what they were going to do. And that was so they're averaging like one yard a carry because they ran it every down would be third and long, and then they put three wide receivers on the field and throw. It was like the most predictable thing you could possibly do. NFL offenses don't do that. <laughs> well, that was why, like, Andrew Luck, remember, he also had the season where he was like the greatest fourth quarter comeback artist ever, but they were garbage for three quarters. Yeah. yeah, because they had like try- 15 opportunities to come back and win a game. Round and pound thing, it just 
get nothing accomplished on offense and then they'd fall behind and they're like, all right, Andrew, I guess we're going to have to hand you the keys, do your thing. And then he'd win the game for him. And they come back next week. We're like, all right, guys, back to the ground of pound football. Yeah. The Detroit lions are doing something like that this year where they're just like, we're committing to the run game. And I'm like, huh, good luck, Matthew Stafford. <laughs> yeah. Karen Johnson's good though. He is. Wish I would have known about that before I drafted Kenny Galladay. <laughs> you should have researched it was very yeah yeah i take fantasy football so seriously i should have researched it speaking of fantasy football just to just to get this out there oh god our, damn it i should have said that <laughs> for our loyal listeners out there the only reason that we recorded this a day ahead of time is because i have a fantasy draft i need to look at tomorrow which is there's the stakes right now are a slap bet week one, which if you don't know what that is, you need to watch how I met your mother. But basically if I lose to my brother, he's going to slap me in the face as hard as he can. And my two co-hosts were nice enough to let me record this podcast now so that I wouldn't get slapped. So that I hopefully don't get slapped in the face after week one. For the record, John and I both were in favor of doing this tomorrow to purposely distract Brian from having a good draft so we could see him get slapped in the face. And Brian was a big baby about it and and said we had to do it tonight. So just want to put that out there too. Need, needs to be a fair game. It's not a proper slap bet if it's not. I disagree, but... <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't you want it to be fair, Brad? Wouldn't you? Well, see, Here's the thing. I'm not dumb enough to make a slap bet in the first place. So the only reason especially when it's fantasy football, like literally anything can happen in week one of fantasy football. And Brian of all people should know that. Oh yeah. I do know that. Thanks John for reminding me of my (laughs) over 100 point loss to you last year. Like Um, I could understand it. If you made the bet that whoever has the best record at the end of the year, gets to slap the other one, but basing it off of one game and that game being week one, (laughs) no, there's no way in hell I would make that bet. So the only reason this happened to give you guys some backstory was uh, we figured out after this was like years ago, uh, we figured out that we always play each other week one because we both joined the league at first. And since the league keeps renewing, we always play each other week one. And he was the one who pushed me into doing the slap bet the first year. I, I did not want to do it. I was like, no, we shouldn't do it. Week one is such a crapshoot. But he pushed me so hard that he basically challenged my manhood. And I was like, all right, we'll do it. And I fucking won the first the first time. You shouldn't so let I your, bully, your brother bully you like that, Brian. But after that, I lost three years in a row. <laughs> this is what happens when you let your brother bully you. Yep. Well, I beat him last year and I got to slap the shit out of him last year. So we'll see what happens this year. But I will definitely keep the podcast informed. We'll probably have video of it for anyone who wants to see it. I'm sure you do. Draft Melvin Gordon and Ezekiel Elliott and yep. Antonio Brown. That that sounds like a very good way to win week one. I agree. Lamar Miller would also be a good choice. He's probably Andrew Luck is going to come back. I hear yeah. Gronk might come back too. Yeah, you might want to get out ahead of that. Go ahead and get him on your roster. Yeah, makes sense. But yeah, I don't want to get slapped, so I will make sure to feature the results next week on the podcast and then tell you what happens after week one on the following week, and then we'll probably have video for you. We'll see. (laughs) Depends on how bad I get slapped. Who knows? Anyway. Yeah. I think that's the end of the show. I guess that's, yeah, I think that's about it. Uh, Brad, anything else you want to add? I hope you get slapped. I I figured that. And John, I assume you Same. have nothing else to add? No, I was just, yeah, I, I do have one thing to add. I agree with Brad. Oh. <laughs> I'm glad I have such support from my co-hosts here. So, anyway, from all of us here at the Keep Sounding Podcast, this is Brian, joined by Brad and John. Enjoy this really, really ugly fourth preseason game week one is just around the corner hopefully cam newton's okay and Jadavian uh, Clowney might be a dolphin by the time you hear this he could yeah. also be a bear you never know um <laughs> hey from all of us here at the keep sound fast enjoy the week and we will talk to you
week. See ya. Later. Keeps the football. Takes off to the end zone for the touchdown. He takes the handoff. And he scores. Avoided the Dolphins behind the line of scrimmage and took it in for the first touchdown. Oh, the Newton keeps. Lowers his shoulder and takes it in for the touchdown. On second and goal. Shovel pass for Caffrey. Touchdown. And off dive for Jonathan Stewart. And he's in for a touchdown. That's intercepted by Keeping. He has more of those than any linebacker in the